0: Hello, welcome to the LibroCube. My name is Jordan Maywood and I am the lackadaisical LibroCubricalist. Let me start off by saying that there may be spoilers. It is not a guaranteed chance of them, but I am warning as a sort of just in case. Another thing. I should just in case say, segue, is that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. Oh, uh, so silly. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment within iTunes because that is good for podcasts. Please consider doing so, you nice, nice person. Uh, Now, what's going to happen is I'm going to push a button that will divide this podcast into nice, neat, five-minute segments. uh, Assuming that I stick to the timer, which I usually don't, but I'm going to try to. Try so very, very hard. Ladies and gentlemen. You some things. Movie Monologue. Today's movie monologue sponsor is the Dark Pit of Unrelenting Despair and Death. Thank you, sponsor. Okay, movie the first is Resident Evil 4, I'm throwing the 4 in there, Afterlife. As I have complained about every Resident Evil movie after the first, please put the number in the title. It makes it hard to know which one to watch next. I have to Google it, I have to then look at the dates that they were made, it's it's a whole process. Resident Evil Afterlife, okay, um furthering the craziness which is what i love of a action what i really love of an action franchise Uh, is to start off uh, somewhat grounded in reality and slowly go insane. Go mad with power, you might say, Uh, and that is very, very much what the Resident Evil franchise does. Uh, Let's see if the IMDA description will emphasize that craziness. Uh, while still out to destroy the evil Umbrella Corporation, Alice joins a group of survivors living in a prison surrounded by the infected, who also want to re- re- relocate rather, to the mysterious but supposedly un- unharmed safe haven known as Arcadia uh this cool part of this is uh Alice lands a plane on the top of a building and if you've ever landed a plane you need something called a runway which by its very definition is usually quite long uh so to see her land on the top of a uh a building was pretty cool a building surrounded by an army of zombies no less yes uh lots of cool things uh Wesker makes an appearance and he's sort of also upped. In terms of what he is capable of. Almost superhero powers like. Yeah, got a little crazy there. Uh, Rating wise, this one's good. Uh, I always enjoy these. Uh, Four to five, I think, is a safe bet. Sure, why not? Who cares? (sighs) (sighs) Sorry. Uh, Next, almost unplanned. In fact, it was. uh, Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. Yeah what the hell two zombie movies back to back didn't even plan to do it just sort of happened uh this is a movie uh came out in 2015 so it's been a while now that i've been meaning to watch it and boy howdy am i glad i did um this takes the comedy in the zombie and mashes it together uh, similar to a zombie land or uh I don't know. There's other funny zombie ones. But uh, sometimes funny and zombie don't mix well. Uh, This one, I think, does a very, very good job. In fact, rating-wise, I think I got to go with solid. Uh, Five. Yeah, I I really, really enjoyed this. Uh, Three scouts, as in Boy Scouts, on the eve of their last campout, discover the true meaning of friendship when they attempt to save their town from a zombie outbreak. So you got laughs... You got a zombie cat, you got David Koechner, you got lots of boobs. Uh, All in all, really everything you could ask for in a movie, just period. Uh, Next, moving on to The Money Pit, uh, which is a movie I feel like uh, it it sort of falls into that watch every couple of years category for me. Uh, A young couple struggles to repair a hopelessly dilapidated house. This, of course, stars... Tom Hanks, and Shelley Long. Uh, Lots of laugh-out-loud moments in this movie that I forgot about. Um, Highly, highly, highly recommend this. If you are a homeowner, uh, I would watch this after you have bought your house and lived in it for a while. Because if you are considering buying a house, this will terrify you. Uh, Yes. Just the the sheer amount of shit going awry is pretty amazing how much they fit in uh, and it came out in 1986 Wow so uh how old was I five years old <laughs> did I see it when I was five years old How come I have such fond memories of this movie I don't know uh, moving on to unbreakable ah another one I, I hadn't seen it in a while. <clears throat> Uh, I, I, you know what I think it was? I think people were making unbreakable movie jokes on a podcast I was listening to, and it sort of clicked off in my brain. Hey, what happened in that movie? I, I didn't really remember it. A man learned something extraordinary about himself after a devastating accident. That's something he learns, is that he's, you guessed it, unbreakable. So basically you've got, uh, um, Bruce Willis... As a guy who can't really be hurt, uh, has never been sick. And then you've got his sort of polar opposite in Samuel Jackson, who's got some sort of brittle bone disease and is sick all the time. Uh, So two sides of this human spectrum. And uh, it opens up a sort of interesting thought of if there's people who never get sick and people who are sick all the time... Um, how is that, how can you take what you learn from the never sick and from the sick and make people better? Uh, I don't know, that's just one thought of many of this movie with a M. Night Shyamalan twist ending, which I will not give away because as you heard, we're already out of time and I still got one movie to go, The Nice Guys, The Nice Guys, Mmm. Uh, this is a period piece. In 1970s Los Angeles, a mismatched pair of private eyes investigate a missing girl and the mysterious death of a porn star. Uh stars Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling, which is sort of an interesting pair. Uh, yeah, the, the seemingly very peanut... Uh, I was going to say peanut butter jam. Uh, no, not that. A uh, seemingly odd couple-like both in real life and very much so in this movie, I feel like, like, I, I feel like if you were to get Ryan, Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling and have them live together, um, in a small apartment that, uh, by the end of a week, they would hate one another. <laughs> this is a sort of sneaking suspicion I have, uh, which means that their interactions in this movie are very, very good. I love this movie. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> i feel like have i been forgetting to rate things uh maybe i have uh scouts guide i give five money pet jeez do i go five uh some nostalgia in the five that i would give that unbreakable uh maybe four and the nice guys last but not least i'm gonna go jeez four five i'll go four sure why not watch it it good no time to talk about it though so we'll move on to television huh. television talk today's television talk sponsor is the Gabriel Bell Equality Foundation i think on the television talk theme is the theme from the odd couple i Pretty sure I put it in there. Huh. And I just mentioned that, so that's why I said that today's television star- <laughs> is Star Trek Deep Space Nine Season 3. We are chugging along. As I uh, like to mention when this comes up, somehow, someway, I managed to talk the missus into watching the entire series of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And I gotta say, I am pleasantly pleasantly surprised that seemingly she does not loathe it <laughs> a ringing endorsement from her yes uh no uh she actually kind of likes it i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure um something that i love of us watching this together is some of the little inside jokes that we now have with one another uh, <laughs> I never thought that uh, the missus and I would have Star Trek Deep Space Nine inside jokes about fucking the Hadar, But we do, which is really, that's just an incredible thing. And for that, I love the show even more than I already did. And this was probably my favorite show. This and Buffy, I was sort of put hand in hand as my two favorite shows. So, okay, anyways, we're here to talk about season three. And this is where... I'd tell you, like, season four is really where shit gets really, really, really good. These are just really good. <laughs> um, in, in this season, we do meet um, the Dominion and the Jem'Hadar, if you're unfamiliar, uh, with Deep Space Nine. It's a space station at the edge of, uh, just in case you don't know, I'm going to just call it at the edge of uh, human space. Uh, that's not accurate, but I'm just going to say that for the purposes of our talk here. Um, and, and it turns out that this little-known outpost outpost where nothing ever happens, a wormhole opens up. A uh, wormhole, something that possibly has been theorized exists in real life, uh, allows you to travel vast distances in space very, very quickly. So, for example, you go into t- this whole... Um, if it was orbiting Earth, uh, and then pop out uh, almost simultaneously at the edge of our solar system. Just as an example, this one uh, goes much, much farther. And the unfortunate thing is it opens up in an area of space run by the Dominion, who, you guessed it, are not very nice people. Not even people at all, really. They are, in fact, shapeshifters. Which, as the name implies, they can ship... Sh- shape shift hmm uh okay so I'm just looking through the episodes see if any jump out of my eye I, I could probably do a whole episode just uh, uh, reading the descriptions of episodes and talking about them so let me just like randomly uh, Cisco builds a replica. Oh yeah. Okay. So uh, there's an episode where he builds. Oh, this was a cool thing. Uh, he builds a spaceship that uses solar sails, which which is sort of emphasizes something I love of Star Trek is its interaction with real factual science. So uh, it has been hypothesized, if not outright done at this point. Oh, I should look into that. Um, that light uh, pushing on certain materials. Will uh, propel those materials through space. Uh, so, Captain Cisco, I don't think he's captain at this point. Um, he builds a ship that uses these sails, and then uh, it, it's sort of uh, hit by a lot of uh, what is it? Neutrinos? Some space thing uh, that propels him uh, thousands of light years further than he thought. A cool little little project of his. I like it uh okay so let's just again randomly pick one in no particular order quark discovers the grand Nanga zack has written a new virtuous oh yeah <laughs> okay so uh if, if you're unfamiliar okay let's just talk about the Frangi for a second because uh i will say that the missus's i do believe favorite episodes are the ones involving uh, Quark and anything Ferengi-related. Uh, probably because those are usually the funny ones. Uh, so in this one, uh, sort of, if Earth had a president, it would be the Ferengi version of the Grand Negus. He is like a... If you're unfamiliar with Ferengi, there's very conniving, uh, greedy. Uh, their whole society is built around, built around the acquiring of wealth. So... Um, when he sort of rewrites the rules of this species and they're all like, do unto others, uh, charity's good, uh, be nice to people, uh, gotta be trustworthy. Uh, it sort of like freaks everyone out. Um, and comedy and some sciencey things ensue. As it does, as it does. Folks, Star Trek Deep Space Nine Season 3 gets a 10 out of 5. What? What? How is that even possible? Conan, the librarian. Don't you know the decimal system? Book banter. Today's book banter sponsor is the Canadian Tuxedo Company. I feel like... As this is not a book banter at all, a dov- it is a double movie monologue, I should warn you that the book series I have on the go now uh, is comprised, I think, judging by the first book, of very long books. <laughs> so, uh, if you're familiar with this podcast, you will know that uh, occasionally uh, I'll have some book banters that are not actually me having uh, finished books and then being able to talk to them. So... I think for the next little while uh, the book banters may be spread out a little more than they have been from time to time. Okay, so that's just a little little warning tidbit. But that means we can do things like this. Double movie monologue. Where in a uh, long weekend I watch fucking ten plus movies. Yep. For example, Michael Bolton's big sexy Valentine's Day special. Yes. Now this could potentially fall into the television category kind of sort of kind of sort of but it's on netflix um so whatever i'm calling it a movie because i can do that <laughs> excuse me this is my podcast i could podcast how i want to podcast how i want to podcast how you would podcast too if it happened to you da, 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 da. Uh yeah, so this comes from the mind of Scott Ackerman. Scott Ackerman and the man, the myth, the legend who I have repeatedly, ad nauseumly spoken of highly on this podcast for the reason that I love him. Uh seemingly he has or I should perhaps say I have the same sense of humor as he does uh in that it's not 100% what you might call normally mainstreamish yeah sure uh so uh i probably would not consider watching something called michael bolton's big sexy valentine's day special although that title does grow on you the more you say it uh but when i saw he was involved uh as a creator with the lonely island uh i, I uh, even then I, I almost sort of debated watching it but then I uh, asked some people who uh, share loves of these things and they said it was good and uh, I I finally watched it and boy howdy am I glad that I did because the laughs were uh, plenty I just want to tell you one thing this is not a spoiler um, other than the fact that it was the biggest laugh I had just to emphasize the craziness of this and perhaps myself Um, there's a guy trying to get into a building that's all I'm going to say. Um, there's a, a security guards guarding the door, uh, one of which was actually played by Scott Ackerman, now that I think about it. So uh, the guy sees sort of on a clothing rack a security outfit, like a security uniform, security guard uniform, and uh, he looks at it and he says, Ah, I know how I'm going to get in there. And then it cuts to him... <laughs> fuck him throwing the uniform at the two security guards as he runs by <laughs> i remember oh fuck i laughed so hard and what was even worse was the <laughs> the missus was uh, cooking dinner at the time since it was my birthday actually so she was cooking me a nice birthday dinner and i tried to explain to her why <laughs> i was laughing so hard and i just couldn't even i, I couldn't get the words out because it was so funny. So, needless to say, Michael Bolton's Big Sexy Valentine's Day Special, 5 out of 5. Moving on from the incredibly funny to something that is not funny at all, starring someone who's incredibly funny. Wow. Uh, I Smile Back, starring none other than Sarah Silverman. Super, super funny girl in a not-at-all funny movie. Well, uh, it's got some of the dark comedy that... I assume you could probably expect in a movie that is incredibly dark, starring someone who's incredibly funny. Some of that is bound to seep in, and I'm glad it does, because I, as I was mentioning. Um, Whether it's a a comedy or, more accurately, whether it's a drama. If you are 100% serious 100% of the time, it's just not believable. Because that is not what life is. You gotta dip in and dip out of all emotions to make things believable. Right? Uh, Okay, so Sarah Silverman plays a mother who's having a tough time of it. I, I, I guess sort of a gist of it is... She goes off her meds, uh, and slowly goes a little nutty. Definitely depression, uh, specifically depression with some, uh, addiction rolled in. And, uh, it gets, gets very, very dark. Um, some scenes, you will cringe. Uh, Sarah Silverman really just blew my mind. Like, I've always had a love of her, um... And it's not like I thought she couldn't do a movie like this, but man, just it, it just goes to show you, and, and this is something we see time and time again, that uh, I don't think you could take a very, very serious actor and have them do comedy and expect them to do it, whereas uh, taking a, a comedian, we see time and time again they are able to pull off these serious roles, so uh in in other words, it's harder to do comedy than it is to do not comedy. Hmm. uh okay, next we have uh shit I'm, I'm way over time today. uh Mr. Wright mm-hmm Mr. Wright, starring. Uh, Sam Rockwell and Anna Kendrick. Uh, this is an action-y shoot-em-up comedy, which are... Uh, those are things I like. I, I like it, as I just mentioned. Combining things. Funny and action. Uh, uh, weird, dark, funny, and super depressing. <laughs> Actually, maybe I just like adding funny to things. I don't know. Uh, oh, did I give I Smile Back a 5 out of 5? Because I do. Do I give Mr. Right a 4 out of 5? Yes. Uh, yeah, I really don't have time. I, I Not enough time in too many movies. Uh, the next movie is Upside Down. Uh, this combines uh, romance and sci-fi. <laughs> uh, it was okay. Uh, I sort of took a chance on this one as a Sunday relaxing in bed sort of movie and... I did like the sci-fi elements uh, very very cool premise which they have to take a long time explaining at the beginning I found uh, picture two earths that are close to one another where cl- close enough that say uh, our, our our mountains would be almost touching like like that close um, so if I on earth one go to... Uh, earth two i will not feel the pull of gravity from earth two i will feel the pull of gravity from earth one which uh adds uh, it makes for some really cool scenes where there's like a office for example uh people from one earth are on let's call it the ground and people from the other earth are on the ceiling and they're interacting and working with one another um people as quite often happens in these sorts of things uh on one of the earths is sort of downtrodden and let's just call it poor. Uh, And then there's like the hoity-toity people on the other earth that uh, have all the sort of power and money and influence. Uh, And then there's a love story there between Kirsten Dunst and who was the actor? He's pretty good. Uh, Jim Sturges, who I don't think I've ever seen. He looks like a singer, uh, like Josh Groban or somebody. Uh, Rating-wise, the sci-fi aspect, Sciencey parts that they use to explain it, I'd go high on that, like five out of five. Uh, the actual like love story, I, I, that it just kind of doesn't interest me, so, yeah, yeah. So, for that reason, I'll just go like a three overall. Uh, next we have Confessions of a Brazilian Call Girl. Uh, I will admit that I went into this movie thinking it was going to be a documentary, it was not. Um, This is subtitled, I should say, uh, unless, of course, it's in the language that you speak. And then it won't be subtitled, but then you probably won't be listening to this. Uh, Yeah, uh, so it's about, you guessed it, a Brazilian call girl. Uh, She sort of starts the movie as a uh, a, a daughter of a a wealthy family and ends up sort of running away and then joining this sort of low-rent... Uh, whorehouse, yeah, probably whorehouse is the the what you would call it. Um, eventually by the end, she sort of worked her way up to working by herself. She's she's the most famous uh, prostitute in all of Brazil. Apparently, also based on a true story. Um, at least that's how it was sort of set up. Uh, rating wise, yeah, I enjoy it. Lots of sex. Wasn't expecting so much sex and uh four out of five sure why not i i don't have time i don't have time i'm already way behind schedule oh god what have i done what have i done Today's Game Gabin sponsor is rupeesforgold.com. Okay, folks, I am pleased to announce that I have done it. I have completed The Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. Never, well, not should I say never? Well, I can easily say it has been a very, very long time. I've felt such a sense of accomplishment over beating a video game. Uh, It has to do with playing this as a kid, never being able to beat it, um, spending so much time over the years thinking about this game from time to time, realizing, man, I wish I had beaten that. But uh, as I mentioned before, I rented it. Uh, I didn't actually own it. And I got in big trouble. I actually told my mom on the weekend about that. She didn't remember. Uh, Big trouble for having it out for, like, weeks at a time. And then, like, getting a phone call from... uh, It wasn't Blockbuster, but a Blockbuster-like place saying, "Uh, We need this back. You owe us $30 or some ridiculous amount back in the uh, 90s. Uh, Anyways, that last boss was fucking horrid... Um, like with most Zelda games, what you'll do is have a final dungeon, which was pretty hard. Uh, something they did in this one was you had to refight some of the bosses you had fought before. Uh, I will say I don't think they amped up the difficulty of the bosses, uh, meaning I had got a much stronger sword, much stronger shield, much stronger tunic. So uh, all of that meant that I was very much more powerful. Uh, And then I had to refight bosses, but uh, I don't think they had scaled, so it wasn't too onerous. Uh, A little confusing in terms of the dungeon uh, being huge and maze-like, but uh, I actually did pretty good. And uh, I think only maybe once had to look at Google (laughs) uh, to figure out where I was going. Uh, And then I came to the boss. Uh, it took me, it's gotta be close to a dozen plus times to beat him. Now my problem was, uh, you'll, the boss, Ganon, if you are unfamiliar with the Zelda series, uh, will quite often be in parts. Uh, parts where, uh, you'll be fighting him, something will change, then you'll have to fight him in a whole new, different way. So, uh, it would start off where he would shoot shit at you, Um, Oh no, that was was the first time. Yeah, so first you have to beat him in the dungeon that I just mentioned, and then he sort of fucks off. Uh, And then you have to uh, go to where he fucks off to and then fight him all over again a bunch of times. Uh, The reason I like that is because it meant... You didn't have to redo the dungeon every time which once you read a certain point. So I did appreciate that. Uh, But what I didn't appreciate was I kept getting to the same goddamn point every time in this battle. And the same thing happened to me every single time. Like, I don't think uh, the boss actually hit me enough times and then killed me from hits. What would happen was... Uh, I'd get near the edge of the platform because you kind of have to at some point. Uh, and then he would knock me off, which would mean you had to start all, all over again. The fight all over again. And, my God, the f- sheer frustration. There was a couple of times... Uh, l- let me explain. There, There's two... <laughs> there you go. This would be a little tips and tricks in case you're ever playing it. Uh, there's two lanterns. Uh, you have to have both lit... Uh, when you light both of them, he will appear, and you can hit him with your sword. Once you hit him with your sword, that will stun him. Then you hit him with a with an arrow. You have to do that whole series uh, three times. Uh, there was a couple of times where I did it twice, meaning I only had to do it one more time, and then I fell off the edge. And that was so frustrating that I, I almost gave up. In fact, oh yeah, this is this is something I love. Fuck, not sticking to the goddamn timer at all today. Uh, This is something that I love. Uh, (laughs) Just to think that this had some impact. Uh, So I I must have done it like ten times. And uh, I was starting to lose patience. I'm starting to think like, fuck, I'm never going to beat this. Uh, What I did was stop. I took a breath. And uh, it was around lunchtime. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to have a peanut butter and jam sandwich. (laughs) Now why does that make sense? Because I thought, you know what, back in the 90s when I was a kid playing this, I probably would have played it and probably would have had a peanut butter and jam sandwich while playing it. So, just to get myself in the mind frame of a little kid, little Jordan, playing Legend of Zelda Link to the Past on his rented uh, cartridge that he was going to get in trouble for not returning, having a PB&J... Uh, maybe that'll help. And by God, I, I ate that PB&J. Had, had a little glass of milk. And I think either the next time or the time after. It only took me two more times and I beat them. And uh, I, I really can't tell you how uh, happy I was. Took a screenshot of it posted it on my facebook thank you uh, to thanked and thank you again to uh, amanda who lent me this game uh still gotta give it back to her actually i see it sitting in front of me uh yeah just overall great experience and the game legend of zelda A link to the past six out of five six out of five insane I like turtles. Today's Internet Center sponsor is... Internship Market. Okay, uh, let's start off with the second item first. (laughs) Why not? Uh, Okay, so uh, if you're unfamiliar with my YouTube channel, uh, it's comprised of sort of two main things. Uh, The videos that I uh, edit, usually about one a month, and then... just as uh, helpful, or good, or whatever, uh, is something I do every single week, and that is compile a list of videos that I watch on the weekends. So uh, it's called a playlist. It's Google playlist. Everyone can do it. Uh, You can watch other people's. The only reason you might find it handy using mine is because if you are listening to this, the possibility exists that we are similar. So... You may like some of the things that I watch on YouTube and I have therefore compiled them all for you. You can push a button. uh, 50 to 70-ish videos will just play one after another and you won't have to search them out. Hey, hey there. Uh, one of, uh, a lot of which, some of which each week will be from Funhouse, who I have spoken of very, very highly on this very podcast many times. Um, this time I stumbled upon a video called, uh, My Internship with Funhouse. Uh, this is from a man by the name of Jomar, that is J-O-E-M-A-R, uh, and apparently during his college, during his schooling, uh, he found himself working at Funhouse. Now, uh, they have some interns there, so and they I, I guess rotate. So this is not a, a super crazy thing. Uh, what I do like about it is he was a fan before he worked there. So uh, uh, to see him post and get a little bit, a little, a slight little dip in your toe into the behind the scenes. Of Funhouse uh, and what's involved in making the videos and editing and what an intern there would do was uh, fascinating, heartwarming, and uh, just 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 a great thing to see. Like, a, it made me wish that uh, I was someone who could have done something like that. Uh, yeah, I, I guess that was my sort of underlying takeaway. I wish I had been an intern at Funhouse or that I was a am <laughs> a a air who could just do whatever i want uh not work as in the work that i have to do uh and, and then just like go to places like funhouse and say hey let me uh, hang out here's here's uh here's some money to uh make some videos or or something stupid like that hang out with podcasters just uh, things of that nature. So, congratulations, Jomar. And, uh, I liked your video very much. So Let's move on to... Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee Season 9. What happened? I missed the entire season. Fuck. Uh, yeah, I've I've done this never to this degree. Um, there's a few things. Uh, Modern Family, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee... Uh, Doctor Who, there's there's not much really that I watch as they air as opposed to waiting uh, and then binge watching them after. Um, but I guess I just hadn't checked in a while if there was any new ones, which is weird. I, I thought they, like, sent me emails or posted on Facebook when there was a new season, but no... Um, uh, the, the silver lining here is I got to watch one, two, three, four, five, six episodes that I had never seen before, back to back to back to back to back to back. Is that enough? Um, episodes starring, uh, Bob Einstein, Christopher Waltz, Louis Black, Cedric the Entertainer, Norm MacDonald, and Kristen Wiig. Fucking A. Uh, my favorite was, uh, Bob Einstein, Um, the the, the Norm Macdonald one was good, but knowing how funny he is, he's one of my favorite just funny people, period. Uh, I feel like his episode wasn't that funny. Uh, Cedric the Entertainers was good. Loose Black, uh, it was nice to see him... Uh, giggling. <laughs> he's, he's got a great giggly laugh from a, one of those, I guess you could just call it an angry comedian. It was interesting to see him uh, sort of behind his angry persona. Uh, Christopher Waltz, he's not a comedian, so that was sort of a weird choice. Uh, he He, uh, he had... Uh, It was sort of interesting in that, and maybe it was his, uh, is he Austrian or German? Uh, I can't remember. Uh, And and Jerry Seinfeld even pointed this out, that sometimes you can't tell when he's joking or not. And yeah, sometimes you really can't tell. Like, he might actually be very funny. Or at least, not a comedian, but funny. (laughs) Uh, Kristen Wiig, uh, (laughs) it's <laughs> some good bits about uh, stuff. They found an ad for sugar models, which I guess is, like, sugar daddies. Um, yeah, she apparently a bit of a hipster, or at least living in a hipster neighborhood. I don't really know Kristen Wiig, her, uh, her like, Saturday Night Live stuff so well. Like, I always enjoy her in movies, but... I I like it when they have more people like Louis Black and Norm Macdonald, like actual stand-up comedians. Those are usually my favorite ones. Although, Bob Einstein. Oh, uh, his was good because apparently years ago, if not like a decade ago, Jerry told him that he was going to buy him a car. um, And apparently, sadly for Bob, was a prank (laughs) that in this episode was finally revealed that he's not actually buying him a car. Come on. It's ridiculous. Uh, okay, as you heard, we're already out of time. Um, you know what? I did have one final thing. Should I just erase it? Uh, yes. <laughs> what the fuck, folks. I don't know what it is, but what I do know is that it's nice to be nice to the nice.